Flexmuscle.com brings you Quantum Physiques, building strength and power for your mind, your body, and your spirit. Alternative medicine, muscle growth, mode enhancement, motivation, putting your mind at ease, harnessing your maximum potential. Quantum Physiques. Here's your host, Brian Cunningham. Welcome to another episode of Quantum Physiques, where we strive to build strength and power for mind, body, and spirit. I'm your host, Brian Cunningham, joining you here every week, of course, where we actually take the idea of no pain, no gain to a whole other level. Now, of course, everybody realizes that in the gym, you don't make progress unless you, in a sense, are willing to go through some pain. But of course, on a personal level or in other areas of life too, you have to, in a sense, be willing to step up and commit to learning and sometimes embracing painful situations to actually make progress. So um, that's one thing the show's dedicated to, of course. And my guest here is somebody who has done a lot to help me on a personal level. I really want to give him a, a, you know, a, a measure of gratitude, a large measure of gratitude for having uh, you know, helped me with endorsing my product, uh, Gabitol for Stress. But John Gray is somebody who needs no introduction. Um, I think throughout the world, everywhere I go personally, if I ask anybody, have you heard of the book Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus? Everybody nods their head and says yes, uh, because of course, it is the best-selling relationship book in history. Um, John has sold over 50 million copies in 50 different languages of his various books throughout the ages. And of course, he is a very commonly known person having appeared on shows such as Oprah and Dr. Oz, The Today Show, um, CBS Morning Show, the list goes on and on. Um, He's regularly on PBS. Anytime when I want to relax and I turn on the TV, Nine times out of 10, it's either Deepak Chopra, Wayne Dyer, or John Gray on PBS, actually. So without further ado, I want to welcome John to Quantum Physiques. John, welcome, and thanks for joining us here on Quantum Physiques. Well, thank you. I'm really happy to be on the show. Yeah, John, I'm so honored to have you on, actually. As you know, uh, you've done, I mean, actually, you've helped introduce me to the world of people. Um, Cheryl Selman, who's a mutual friend of ours. Uh, Frankie Boyer, of course, a lot of great people I've met through you, um, mostly because they've come to, like, my product, of course. And, uh, you know, you and I spoke many years ago, probably about four and a half, five years ago, actually, when you called me and we were discussing it. And then we had lunch a couple of years ago. I saw you at Expo West, of course, last year, uh, this, this past year. And, uh, you know, I'm just very appreciative, John, of, of your, you know, your contributions to me on a both a personal and professional level. So I want to make sure that you at least realize that. By the way, I love your new website, themarsvenus.com. Um, did you revamp that recently? We revamped it and we're going to revamp it a little bit more. Yes, thank you. Oh my you. God, it's so cool. When you go on there, guys, you really got to check out the marsvenus.com website, John's uh, website. He's got some really cool products and everything, of course. But when you go there, just the the warmth and the um, ability of the website to kind of lure you in and just kind of, it just flows so much easier, John. I really think you guys did a, a very commendable job on that. Um, but, you know, John, I have to reveal a secret here that you have, and maybe you don't want me to tell everybody this, but, you know, being the best-selling author, relationship author in history, John has a secret love affair that he hasn't really told many people about, actually. For nine years, John was obsessed with this relationship. And, uh, <laughs> John, I'm going to give you the chance now to confess before I embarrass you, but do you want to tell people about your nine-year love affair? and uh, what going, that did? You're going fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, for nine years, John was in love or obsessed with his pursuit of, uh, I'm not really sure how to really call it, but divinity or self. I guess you could say it was the ultimate in selfishness, quote-unquote, because it led John to some, actually, spark that led John to this fantastic career he's had. So maybe you could have shared with us, John, how you got started back because it's a pretty well, I, phenomenal I'd be story. Happy to. You know, I back in the back in the sixties when I was growing up, I'm sixty now, 
Uh, so back in the 60s, you know, everybody was into getting high, and the Beatles were big, and the Stones, <laughs> and Led Zeppelin, and all that, and uh, Jimi Hendrix, and I was in that whole scene, and everybody's getting high on drugs, and you don't feel so great afterwards. Uh, and then the they Beatles made the sh- <laughs> yeah. The Beatles made this shift to, they went to India to be with the Maharishi, who was an Indian guru. And they said, hey, get high on consciousness rather than uh, drugs. And I said, that sounds great. And so I went off to live with the Maharishi. Uh, I became his personal assistant. This was like a worldwide teacher. And somehow I got to be his personal assistant. I lived with him for nine years. It was a very dedicated spiritual practice. I was a celibate during that time. All my energy, all my energy went into, you know, meditation and developing, you know, that whole journey uh, for nine years. And it was very, very satisfying, very fulfilling. I wouldn't recommend it to anybody unless you have to do it. Uh, I guess I sort of had to do it, kind of like an artist. Uh, don't do it unless you have to do it. <laughs> you know, sure. our soul sort of leads us in certain directions. But it did provide a great foundation for my work in relationships because I knew myself really well. And I found a source of fulfillment within myself. I'm able to go into very deep states of meditation for long hours and hours where there are no problems. So if I had a problem, I could just go meditate. But what I did get from it was um, tremendous benefit in being non-judgmental, uh, you know, being even-tempered and non-judgmental. And then when I came out and started having relationships with women and, and, and started becoming a relationship counselor, my brother was bipolar. That's kind of what drew me out of that life because the whole spiritual journey of yoga and meditation really doesn't help people with bipolar very much. So I went to study psychology, hoping that would help him in California. Uh, that didn't help him either, but uh, and I, unfortunately, I didn't learn about nutrition in time. But since then, I've actually helped thousands of people with bipolar just by taking supplements that I talk about on my website that will reverse it. I mean, you have to keep taking the supplements to some degree, but uh, wow, it was so great. My brother eventually committed suicide. Oh, my God. Uh, because uh, the side effects of taking the drugs was just too awful. You know, he just didn't want his life to take, go in that way. And he didn't want to have his episodes with bipolar, so that was his choice. But anyway, I, it, it definitely was, the, was sort of the, the stimulus that caused me to stop being in my, on my spiritual journey, so to speak. And, and I came out to study psychology and, and, and started having sex with women and enjoyed that and started teaching classes on uh, enlightened sexuality because I was uh, teaching about enlightenment. <laughs> so now I was applying what I learned to sex and then that evolved into relationships, that evolved into counseling. And then the way I counseled, I had a sold out practice. I was saving marriages left and right. People were coming to me saying, we've been years in therapy. We got more out of one session with you than ever before. And I think it all was due to this sort of foundation of a, a, a depth of understanding that deep meditation allows you to achieve, but non-judgmentalness so I could start hearing women's point of view, men's point of view, and explain it to each other so we could get out of the blame game and just get into, oh, I didn't realize that was the going on. Oh, I didn't realize that was the situation. Oh, I was misinterpreting you. And I would help people really start hearing each other correctly and so much of the tension between men went away, men and women went away, and that gave birth to men from Mars, women from Venus, and you know the uh, it continued to develop. And then, ten years of that, uh, you know, the book then I launched, and that was another ten years of teaching that. That takes me up to about fifty years old, and then I had pre Parkinson's <laughs> disease. You did said, yourself? Wow, I never I knew did. that. Yeah, yeah, my head was shaking, and uh, whoa, my wife said, "What's this?" So I checked it out, and and you know. 
I decided I was going to find some alternative treatments. And so I turned, you know, you're the ultimate researcher. I'm sort of the ultimate researcher too. And, you know, I, so I turned my focus from relationships while I still teach it. I'm famous for it. I've written books for it and all that. But I, you know, all my spare time, I'm researching health and wellness and turned my Parkinson's around. So I have absolutely zero Parkinson's and found that, you know, what the same, same thing that cures Parkinson's cures ADD, ADHD. And a, ver a variation of that actually cures depression. So as what you've learned in your research in nutrition, you know, amino acids are practically everything. And with a few other ingredients, you can turn these things around. So I was able to do it in my personal life and was starting to do it for my couples. And, and you know, ADD in a man is attention deficit disorder. That means, you know, a woman starts talking and our brain goes somewhere else. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So every guy came to me in counseling, basically I could diagnose as ADD. And exactly. there's a quick, a quick fix for it. And that's what I've been focusing on is learning these alternative solutions. And so we've connected so well because that's what you're into as well. I've learned a lot from you and I'm very grateful for that. No, it's great. I appreciate that. You know, it's funny about um, you mentioning the 60s and the whole drug culture. There is a sense of extreme selfishness on two, on two ends of the spectrum where you have people that are really into, um, I guess, hedonistic pleasures or, or maybe even like, you know, spiritual exploration using drugs. But there's a dark side, I guess, as well. Obviously, it's a slippery slope. Uh, suicide, to some degree, you could say also maybe is some type of an obsession with self, right, where you can't get over yourself to some degree. Um, but yet, at the same extreme, you also devoted nine years of your life to your relationship with self also, um, you know, how do you explain that dichotomy where someone like you comes out and you're extremely balanced and centered and, you know, like I said, you've been able to cure yourself pretty much of all these different ailments as you go through life versus somebody else who walks the path of selfishness and, of course, ends up um, in darker and darker circles, I guess, right? Well, you know, I mean... I, I would never actually look at my past as being selfish, although one could look at it. You know, when you're in your 20s, I think the 20s is a time of self-exploration and self-definition, self whether it be I, I'm, you know, I'm going and studying a certain subject and, and seeing, you know, what I can do with that. And, you know, it's learning about the world. It's a kind of a development of the self as in the, as in the 20s. I, if I was doing what I did in the 20s now, I could certainly be called selfish, but then I was learning about myself. And, and what I tell people is that when you're in your 20s, that is the time of self-discovery, self-development, self-improvement. And it's not so much of a selfishness because I always wanted to do it in order to be of service to the world in some way. But it comes along that principle of you, you, you develop yourself so that you can give to others. You know, let's say you want to give to charity, you have to first make some money to do it. And so making the money is paying your needs and your bills, but then beyond that, you help others. It's kind of a selfless thing, too. And I think during that time, I was learning selflessness because I was actually... Uh, a big part of being a celibate monk is uh, no sex and no masturbation. And, wow, uh, you know, nine years. That's, that's nine years of none of that. I found out later that all the monks weren't, and I was the only one that did it. <laughs> 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 they were actually even fooling around. I was like, I thought everybody was doing it. <laughs> yeah, many are called, but few are chosen, John. Exactly. I, was called, I was called inside and just had to do it, and it was an obsession. It was self-development. I wanted to be, a, you know, I wanted you know, when Maharishi was my mentor, and he was a person who, I, the last thing I would call him is selfish. He was wanting to be of service to the world and certainly had a big impact in the world. And I wanted to be like him. That was my obsession, was to be like him. And the, the term for it in those days was to become enlightened. And I wanted to be enlightened. And whatever that means, it means a lot of different things to different people, so I don't use it much. 
But um, it was, I did get my enlightenment, and then I needed my tug to sort of pull me into the world, and that was my brother who was in need of help. And I followed that call, too. And that really changed my whole life, brought me out in the world and, and helped me develop my skills, you know, uh, applying myself in the world. And the ironic thing is that when I, began, when I began teaching my own stuff, I was teaching the only subject that the Maharishi said I don't, that he doesn't teach about. <laughs> oh, I no kind of had to find my own way. Wow, yeah. You know, it's funny, you mentioned something that I'm really key on here that I harp on everybody in nine different ways to uh, to Timbuktu is practicing happiness or practicing love or, you know, I guess people like to use the word meditation. Just like we go to the gym to build our muscles, I really feel, John, that meditation is what strengthens. It's the most direct approach to strengthen the mind and the spirit. And so how much of that do you emphasize now in your teachings with people through your various courses and uh, retreats up there in, in California? Well, you know, it, it's a part of my message, but, you know, when you've got 50 million books about men are from Mars, women are from Venus, that tends to be the major focus that my audiences want me to talk about because I'm famous yeah. for that. But, you know, when I'm talking to you and, and the guys listening, women listening who are, are building their bodies, I'd like to suggest a few things, which is what I found is I'm not a bodybuilder. I'm in good shape, but, you know, that's not my obsession. We want to find our passion in life and we follow it, like you were just saying, happiness. These are like, what makes you happy? What makes you feel good? You know, what helps define your sense of self? What excites you? And then you, you start, you know, developing and focusing on that. But in terms of building muscle, we know this testosterone that builds muscles, and you've got great products for helping to build those, that, that testosterone. And you're also aware of that in order to build, keep building our muscles, as much as we exhaust ourselves, push ourselves, no pain, no gain, we also have to then go the other direction and rest ourselves, relax. Yeah. And it's that, and it's, uh, and it's a research that shows that when you sit on a couch uh, after, you know, a day of work, say, and watch the news, or watch a football game particularly, your testosterone levels will rebuild much faster. And what that is, is a football game stimulates the brain chemical dopamine, and if you're watching a football game, you've got dopamine being produced and you've relaxed your muscles. And just as the weightlifters know that it's the recovery time, you've got to take that time to recover after working your muscles, then you can come back and build more. And, you know, you can just as you make a science out of building muscles, you can make a science out of recovery time. And yeah. that's when we mention meditation. Because there's nothing more powerful to help recover your, your, your testosterone levels after using them up. You've got to use up your testosterone. Then you go and you learn to meditate. You're fully relaxing your muscles, but you're keeping your brain wide awake if you're practicing the discipline of meditation. So, you know, there, there is no research actually proving what I'm saying here other than, you know, connect the dots. And if you keep your mind awake, you relax your muscles uh, your testosterone levels increase more. And the discipline of meditation uh, can be just as focused as watching a football game, and you're also awake, and you get other benefits as well, the benefits of meditation, which is gradually learning to connect with the inner source of the thought process. You know, most people are directed outwards, but to be able to go inside and experience the feeling, intuitive, knowing self that underlies all of our thoughts, that's what meditation allows so not only do you, you gain the power of discipline, uh, you know, which is to, like for in my field of work, which is to be able to like write a book, you got to sit down and write for six or eight hours a day. That takes a lot of discipline. Just focusing yourself, that comes from years of meditation, so it's easy to stay focused on something. But uh, meditation can be a huge adjunct to weightlifting, bodybuilding. 
Yeah, no, it's a great point. You know, it's funny you mentioned about thoughts. The first thing I tell people is that, you know, when you first start meditating, the first thing you're going to encounter is what I call a forest of tortured thoughts. And one of those torturing thoughts is, I can't do this. I can't do this. And so many people, like even like some of the people in close listening tonight are going to say, I've tried to meditate, but I can't because their thoughts, obviously, as you know, John, they pull them away. And so I guess, do you have any tips for helping people to encourage them to kind of stick through that forest of tortured thoughts and, and continue on the journey? Well, here's here's the power of meditation, and 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 I, as I speak, I'm talking about somebody who's been doing it for over 40 years, and and I can go into a meditative trance for 18 hours. I mean, this is what I used to do, and, and just and experience it. It's like having sex for 18 hours. It's so ecstatic. But again, you, you know, we got a life to live, so I don't do all that anymore. <laughs> you know, like, but I used that to when I was living, younger. But, that is living. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, there's an experience I had, which is, you know, once you sort of get really adept at meditation, it's kind of like an out-of-the-body experience, and you realize where you came from. And then you realize that, yeah, you've always been there, and you came here for the earthly experience, you know, kind of a spiritual <laughs> being having an earthly experience rather than, uh, you know, here I'm an earthly person trying to have a spiritual experience. So we're really here to be in our bodies, to enjoy the pleasure of our bodies, to be of service to others and all that good stuff. But I'll come back to your question, which is really good. And so, uh, you know, I'm not, I, I guess what I wanted to say is I'm not just this relationship expert, I'm also an expert in meditation, even though the, the world right now doesn't recognize that. And I'll tell you, the essence of meditation, whatever practice you take, to make the point, I'll focus on, on one of the practices that I do, which is a very common meditation practice, is called mantra meditation. You have a particular sound. And let, let's say the sound is, uh, uh, mm. okay, so you're just making the M sound, mm, 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 mm. And so your job is just to keep keeping your attention focused on that. And then your brain's job is to give you distracting thoughts. And then as soon as you notice, this is the whole key to meditation, is noticing you're off on these other thoughts, then you effortlessly bring your attention back to your sound. Mm, mm, mm. And, uh, or ah, 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 any, any sounds will work fine, ah, mm, anything. Uh, you start with shorter sounds, eventually you get to longer ones, and then you can, you know, whatever you want to meditate on. But the point being, the strength of meditation, the power of meditation is you don't get frustrated if you actually know how to be successful at it. And the success is not trying to stay on the sound. The success is effortlessly coming back to the sound. Seeing the weights, you know, you try to lift the weights, that's what you're, that's how you're building your muscles. Well, the way you build your, your meditative experience is not, not feeling like success is staying on the sound all the time. Success is effortlessly coming back to the sound. So the key there is when you find yourself having thoughts, which you're calling torturous thoughts, notice how easy it is to have those thoughts. And then in that context of, okay, it's easy to have these thoughts about this or that. Well, it's just as easy for me to shift back to the mantra. And that's what meditation is. It's strengthening the muscle of shifting back, coming back, coming back, coming back. Because that's what focus and attention is. That's one of the great benefits of meditation is you're able to keep coming back to whatever you want to focus on. 
That's a great tip, actually. It makes a lot of sense. I like that one. Um, you know, John, I want to shift gears a little bit into um, some of your relationship work because I have had a lot of listeners actually been asking me, you got to ask John this question, you got to ask John this question. And one particular listener, uh, Jeff Magic, he's actually a dating coach, believe it or not. Um, and he talks about the new laws of attraction. There are people out there on the web, these gurus like Neil Strauss, who wrote a book called The Game. Uh, David D'Angelo also has written a book called Double Your Dating, all about the fact that um, they're using the biology of human nature to, in a sense, um, you know, learn, tell people how to play with the program in a sense, right? Like in other words, David D'Angelo says attraction isn't a choice. Um, you know, and what he says is like, you know, certain men that are very charismatic and successful women have certain natural um, ways of, of playing the game that you can learn yourself. What do you think? Is that manipulation or you think it's just maybe a matter of learning how to make a cake? It's a matter of recipe and there's really nothing in a sense, you know, manipulative about it at all. I'm just kind of wondering what you think about that stuff. Well, I think um, I'm not familiar with the actual details of D'Angelo. I know the game. When I read part of the game, it's it's uh, some good skills in there, and then there's a lot of manipulation in there. And when you get into manipulation in order to get to score, what you're getting into is developing behavioral traits that allow you to to get laid, but the same traits that allow you to get laid don't allow you to sustain attraction to a woman over time. So then now your objective, what your outcome is, is I've laid 4,400 women. Uh, actually, that becomes very empty at a certain point. <laughs> it, yeah, no, it'd be it does, really great definitely. if you could uh, have sex with one woman or uh, two or three and then eventually very quickly find one that you'd want to keep having sex with your whole life. So there's there's that aspect of it. And uh, so it's like, is your objective just to get laid or is the objective to find somebody that uh, you can connect with and have a, a loving relationship with that can be sustained over time? Those are two objectives. And a lot of those books uh, are really just how to get laid to a certain extent. And there's, then there's some good skills because they do help you to get a date and to get closer to a woman. You know, for example, you take a woman on a date. I think I read this in the game and I liked it. And that's why I'm remembering it. But, you know, you want to get invited up to her room and <laughs> dropping her off and you can always simply say, oh, can I use your restroom? A <laughs> <laughs> yeah. woman's going to say no to that. That's yeah. a good one. Also, a, to give- a smart one. A smart one would say no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I read that book too, she'll tell you. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. But, but the point being is that there's a lot of guys that really are uh, missing out because they're too shy to, to walk up to a girl and introduce yourself and ask her out on a date or whatever. And that's, to me, the benefit of those books is that they do have some good tips to sort of give you uh, uh, more ways of approaching. Uh, but on an, another level, there's certain aspects that are really, that whole, uh, th- there, is a, there can be a tendency of manipulation. I wrote a book uh, called Mars, Venus on a Date. And uh, when people try it out, quite often they say to me, they say, you know, I really liked your approach because I felt like I could just be myself. And, uh, and that's, that's really uh, crucial. Now, to be straightforward here, the, the woman, one of the women who said that to me, it was women who said that. They said, I tried all these dating books, but when I read yours, I realized, wow, you know, I still didn't find the right guy, but, <laughs> but at least I had a good time. And, and my message is the way you find the right person for you is to create a series of good times. Uh, you know, so that you actually feel you can be yourself with somebody and, and you have a positive experience, you start building up really a, a positive feeling about the opposite sex. What happens then is your brain sort of starts noticing, okay, who's the right person for me? And you're able to feel satisfied with them. 
No, that's a great, good, good answer. I appreciate that. You know, I guess I'm just wondering because, you know, so, I guess there are some people that will take knowledge and use it for the dark side or maybe use it to manipulate people in a sense. But, you know, I guess I'm wondering if a guy that, that's naturally charismatic, um, you know, maybe he does, he's not doing it consciously. What I guess I'm just thinking, what's wrong with somebody else who has, because David D'Angelo was somebody who isn't very good looking, just so you know, but, and he's more about finding a relationship, but his whole thing is, you know, if you're just like a typical beta male, like most of us out there, women find, you know this, John, women find alpha males attractive. And, and there are certain buttons that alpha males push on women that makes them just fawn, like, you know, rock stars. We all know that the, the typical scenario and David D'Angelo yeah. as well. You know, I began to study this because I figured if attraction isn't a choice, if people are just hardwired to respond to certain buttons and it wasn't about my looks anymore why couldn't i use the same techniques you know using my mind in a sense to get um you know not an unfair advantage but in a sense life isn't fair he says and if you study you can be better than the guy who has all the natural talents and i love that idea of life not being fair that that the loser like i can kind of consider myself with with david d'angelo can actually rise to the top by studying and stuff not to manipulate people but to learn the, the matrix the programs in a sense that wire this universe of ours and you know i kind of just want to make sure that to think would, you know, in that sense do you still think it's manipulative in a sense or what Again, it, it, you have to go to each little part. There's a lot of good stuff there. You know, I can, I can, you know, I haven't read his book, so that that's the problem. You know, I glanced through yeah. it or whatever, so I can't really honestly give an authentic, true response to that. I can tell you from my own experience, from what you just said, is that women are hardwired to be attracted to size. Okay, the bigger you are, the automatic reaction that occurs inside of an immature woman. As she becomes more mature, that power becomes less. Size makes a big difference. Power, strength, uh, actual financial influence as a woman gets older has the same effect for a younger woman of the alpha male type. So these are, these are biological reactions, just like for us, we have a response. If a woman, according to the ratio of her bust to waist to hips, the more she's got the hourglass curve, sure. the more automatic arousal occurs inside of a man. Uh, you know, the, the more uh, alpha male body type a man has, the more there's an automatic reaction. But it's it's an automatic reaction. It's not necessarily a sustained reaction. And so what you what you experience is a lot of alpha males have a lot of relationships, but they don't last. Uh, you know, I don't have the alpha male body type myself, so I've never had that. You know, I had to earn it, and I have a long line of women, and they're all brokenhearted. I mean, it was yeah. so hard for me to end relationships. They all wanted to live with me forever, and yeah. it's breaking up. Is this? But what I found as a marriage counselor is that when women were with alpha males, quite often they were glad to be done with them. <laughs> sure. So, and so then you, you see that be, simply because what what attracted to them. The, those guys really didn't earn their way in. It was on the surface. Uh, I'll, I'll flip it around to the alpha woman. When I was down in L.A., I don't counsel down there. I'm up in Northern California now. But when I was counseling down in L.A., I had a long lineup of models and movie star type women. And their biggest complaint was these guys would come on to them or they'd come on to the guys too. Uh, and they'd never commit. You know, they'd lose interest or she would lose interest because it was primarily the physical attraction only. And what, sure. what happens is to create a lasting relationship, we need to have some skills to create a bit more of an in-depth relationship. And that happens today for modern women and what sustains relationships in modern times 
is not just the physical, but it has to go a little deeper to the emotional. And the way you emotionally connect with a woman is by being a good listener and making a safe context for her to be emotional and not for him to be emotional. Okay, so that's, that's sort of a, a key there because often women say they want this sensitive guy and as soon as you start opening up feelings to women, uh, quite often they go, ooh, I don't know if I wanted all that. Uh, they really want to have center stage when it comes to feelings. Uh, the same thing happened with uh, back about 15 years ago. It was a big a fad for a while, Metro Man, uh, where women wanted, they, they went from wanting sensitive men to these uh, Metro Men. And Metro Men are guys that really dress well, take care of themselves, look good, shiny shoes. Oh, yeah, outfits. metrosexuals, sure, that's right. Metrosexual, that's right, not Metro Man. Metro or maybe closet homosexuals, no, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then, and I, as soon as it started, I said, that's not going to last, you'll see. Yeah, right. Whenever men start to exhibit feminine characteristics, women like it to start with, and then men, and then they get, they, they're competing with it. They say, wait a second, I want to be the woman here. Yeah. <laughs> so you, you got to be careful as men not to suddenly interpret what women say they want, because often women say what they want. It's not, it's not really what's going to work for them. Uh, they, they basically, they want a guy to be more like a girlfriend, and as soon as he becomes like a girlfriend, she's looking for a guy again. So yeah, that, uh, that's you, that's a great point, actually. Uh, it kind of brings me to the next thing about, um, you know, not so much, I don't want to use the word game, but having inner character in a sense, because there is an alpha male presence, I think, John, that isn't just physical in stature, but it's having a certain confidence, a certain sense of, um, like a sense of humor that maybe is not, I don't want to use the word cocky, but it's a little bit, you know, it just shows a sense of inner confidence. And I wonder if that is something that men can use uh, in a, a long-term relationship, actually that still pushes those buttons and gets those sparks flying in a sense. Do you think something like well, that could help? Well, you hit it on right there, and that's what I talk about in my dating book, is that every man's an alpha male, regardless of your body size, if you have confidence. And what does confidence look like? Confidence means that you're not so defensive about yourself. You sort of have a sense of humor about yourself. That's one thing. You know, women always say, oh, I want a man with a good sense of humor. And men think you have to be this great performer for her. That's not the kind of sense of humor that, that, that uh, actually wins a woman over. It may temporarily. But what they want is somebody who takes themselves lightly. So when you have a lot of confidence, you take yourself lightly. You also don't get upset easily. That's the whole thing that, that really... Point gets yeah. a woman to bond with you. If a woman can say sort of upsetting things to you or challenge you in certain ways and you stay calm, cool, collected, that really turns on a woman. I mean, it's amazing. If they, you know, if there was a, I think Witches of Eastwick was a movie where the movie star, the guy seduces these three different witches. Oh, yeah. <laughs> a great show because he's showing you the three ways to seduce women, basically. And I really like the one where he did... Uh, you know, one was going overboard with romance. I forget the other one. And and then there was this one where he had this very strong kind of tough feminist woman. And he took her to this dinner and, and served her dinner. He had everything kind of Good, in Jack order. Jack Nicholson, that's right. Michelle yeah, Pfeiffer, Jack Nicholson. Jack Nicholson. He was so awesome. He's, <laughs> And so he's doing, being very polite, and then he starts having these conversations talking about, you know, the faults with feminism. He was just very direct about his opinions, <laughs> and she'd argue with him, and he'd stay cool, calm, and collected. And he says, well, let me come show you my house. And he brings her right into the bedroom, <laughs> and she, she yells at him, you bring me to your bedroom, you arrogant asshole, you think I'm going to have sex with you just because you got this huge house, and you've had all these servants in this great, <laughs> you think I, I would do that? And he just looks at her, he just smiles at her, and says, you know, you want 
want it. <laughs> and then, That's hilarious. And then it was very funny. See, every guy, every single guy should watch the. He did all these three great ways of seducing women, and of course, it's all exaggerated. But the the essence of it is, she says, "I'm getting out of here right now." And he says, "Yeah, you're going to go home and just be alone. You can stay here with me." And he reaches out and takes her hand, and they go on to the bed. And you, you've got to keep confident. You have to have this confidence, this evenness. You've got to give room for the woman to sort of express her resistance to you for a while until she melts. Because women don't have, the, they don't have the safety in this world to express resistance. They're supposed to be smiling and nice all the time. And then when they're not smiling and nice, everybody gets upset with them. So to give them room to sort of be up and down creates a huge, huge safety in a, in a woman. Yeah, no, no, that, that's that's great. And that, that safety actually. generates a hormone called oxytocin, which becomes the turn-on hormone. It's the hormone that lets her have an orgasm. It creates arousal in her uh, if, if a man is focusing his attention on her and so forth. And so that's what he did. You know, I, I was so perplexed by that and studied that scene. I realized, oh, he was the, probably the first, the first man could ever hear her express one of her tirades and still be turned on to her. And she couldn't resist it. He was irresistible. That's hilarious. John, we'll take a quick break and we'll be right back discussing more about oxytocin and testosterone. This is Brian Cunningham, Quantum Physique. Stay tuned. We'll be right back after this quick break. Quantum Physique, building strength and power for your mind, body, and spirit. Myotropics Physique Nutrition is the most exciting supplement company to come along in decades. That's because Myotropics isn't just another company. It's the brainchild of iconic metabolic expert, Dr. Scott Connolly, the inventor of the original body recomposition product that changed the industry and allowed millions of people to get in the best shape of their life. And CEO Vince Andrich, author of the groundbreaking Physique Athlete Guide. Myotropics flagship product, Physique 2.0, contains their exclusive Meta Effects Amino CD protein compound that matches maximizes whole body protein economy, your personal linchpin for gaining and retaining the most muscle while also shedding maximum body fat. Plus, Physique 2.0 contains the world's first legitimate fat-burning carbohydrate, Meta Effects FAO-CHO, for full hard muscle and increased fat burn. If you live to develop the ultimate physique, go with Myotropics, real people that live to develop physique nutrition. Go to Myotropics.com. It's your body. It's your art. Master it. Myotropics.com. If you train hard, you need to recover hard. Training elevates cortisol, but so does stress and tension. Stress is the number one health risk you face today and not only causes you to put on abdominal fat, but it's also one of the contributing factors in the top six causes of death, which includes heart disease and cancer. But now you can relieve that stress, rebuild, recover, and feel great with fast-acting Gabitrol. Gabitrol works quickly to help you improve relaxation and recovery, reduce cortisol, elevating stress, and reduce binge eating. Plus, Gabitrol will also help you to get that deep, restful sleep. Warriors are built, not born. And now you can build a better body with fast-acting Gabitrol. Recommended by New York Times number one best-selling author, Dr. John Gray. Gabitrol is available now at rxstress.com. P28 High Protein Bread is the official bread of RX Muscle. Are you looking to incorporate more protein into your meals or just want to enjoy bread again? Then look no further. Try the 100% natural P28 High Protein Bread. P28 High Protein Bread is a formulated revolutionary breakthrough product. Packed with whey protein isolate, 14 grams of protein per slice, 12 grams of carbs, 8 essential amino acids, and made with 100% whole wheat. Fear bread no more. Build a better body with P28. 
Order today at highproteinbread.com. P28 is also now available at bodybuilding.com and many other retailers. Order now, highproteinbread.com. P28 Bread, RX Muscle approved. Fusion Bodybuilding makes bodybuilding's strongest supplements, and they're committed to giving back to you. Fusion Bodybuilding not only want to promote the bodybuilding lifestyle, but they also want to help build the sport. Bodybuilding is all they do. It's their obsession. You know the feeling. That's why you're here. Visit Fusion Bodybuilding at FusionBodybuilding.com or join in on the conversation on the Fusion Bodybuilding fan page on Facebook, where you'll find IFBB Pro Q&As, contest giveaways, and nothing but in-depth bodybuilding talk. Fusion Bodybuilding, bodybuilding's strongest supplements. Head over to FusionBodybuilding.com today. So are you from Australia, paying far too much for supplements with the inflating whey and amino prices? Why not check out the all-new RX Muscle Australia for the latest Australian and worldwide content and coverage. While you're there, check out Bulk Nutrient Supplement Store, the official supplement store for RX Muscle Australia. You can visit Bulk Nutrients at BulkNutrients.com.au, your one-stop shop, and also check Check out the all-new rxmuscle.com.au. Rx Muscle Australia, the truth in Australian bodybuilding. Rxmuscle.com. Now you have a place to turn when you want the truth on bodybuilding, diet and exercise, up-to-the-minute news and more. Visit the Rxmuscle.com forums featuring celebrity Q&As with IFBB professional athletes, top amateurs, and the brightest minds in the industry. Listen to our weekly radio shows including Heavy Muscle Radio, Muscle Girls Inc., after hours and more. Contest coverage, videos, even our own social networking site, Rx Muscle Place. Visit rxmuscle.com. And welcome back to Quantum Physiques with your host, Brian Cunningham, and of course, the illustrious and infamous John Gray, author of Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus. Now, John, your new book, I believe, discusses all these different neurotransmitters. Is that right? Oxytocin, dopamine, oh, oh, testosterone. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I it's pretty interesting. Book. I mean, I really, you <laughs> autographed me a copy. I'm really thankful for that one. And, uh, you know, you had some great insights when we had our lunch there about um, monogamy and men and serotonin and testosterone. Give, it, give your uh, listeners some explanation about the different neurotransmitters because you really became an expert in this area. Well, yeah, I, it'd be fun for you to ask me more specifically questions, but I'll do a kind of an overview. Oh, which I got is, it if you want me to, buddy. Yeah, sure. yeah go ahead. Just because I don't remember exactly everything we I said well, in the lunch. I, I give these The one thing that really impressed me, John, is that, you know, again, as you know, um, and you've said this too, is that men have a hard time, more so than men, women probably, because um, of the of monogamy, basically. Um, and you were talking about how, like, a basketball player, and we all know this now, they've written books about this, um, can go out and have sex with, like, you know, 10, 20 women a night and perform great the next day because they're releasing, I guess you were saying, dopamine and, and t- right. testosterone well, is elevated. I'll, I'll, t- I'll take it from there, okay? Yeah, so go I'll ahead, buddy, on great. That one. So this is an amazing concept, and the, what the Italians found out in a, in a study is that when a man has sex with a woman he loves, the outcome of that is a different hormonal reaction than when you have sex with a woman you don't know. When you have sex with a woman you don't know, uh, what happens is... Knowing someone and caring about them, loving them even, even more so, creates a hormone called oxytocin. Oxytocin is the bonding, nurturing hormone. 
oxytocin is what's necessary for climax to occur. Men generally have plenty of oxytocin. They don't need a lot. But women tend to run out of it very quickly. That's why we do all these little romantic things, affection, compliments, and support. This helps her to rebuild her oxytocin so that she can actually be sexually responsive. So here we are in sex. We're inside of a woman having sex with her. Our oxytocin levels go really, really high. And as they go really, really high, what happens is our testosterone levels will start to take a a drop after sex. You know, to have a climax for a woman, she releases a huge amount of oxytocin. And also for a man, when he has a climax, he releases a lot of oxytocin as well. Now, what the Italians found out is that when a man has sex with his wife, there's a different hormonal reaction. Because there's no oxytocin with a stranger, there's another hormone that gets produced, a brain chemical called prolactin. So when a guy has sex with a groupie, or a prostitute, or with himself, after sex, prolactin doesn't get produced. But when he has sex with a woman he loves, prolactin gets produced. And prolactin sends a message, uh, releases, when the prolactin gets released in the brain, suddenly your interest in having more sex goes away. That's uh, you right. Know how you're, the ref- you're having the refractory period, yeah, of course. The refractory period is literally, is... What, what then lowers your prolactin level, uh, once prolactin levels, they go high after having sex with somebody you love, then over a period of time, the refractory period is time enough for the prolactin levels to go back down. And what will lower those prolactin levels is dopamine. So let's say you're a guy and you're docile and you're living at home with your wife and everything's safe and secure. You're going to have lots of prolactin because life is routine and you love her. <laughs> But then you go to battle, let's say you go to war, you go out and meet some big challenge, dopamine levels go up high. Whatever danger, challenge, urgency, emergency, whenever you have those kinds of experience, your dopamine levels go up. And when dopamine goes up, prolactin goes down and suddenly you want sex and you can have sex with your wife again. This is why it's important when you're in an intimate relationship not to spend all your time with your partner. You need to have time with your kids and your family, but you have to have time away, away from those oxytocin environments, those nurturing environments, into more of a a work environment or a challenged environment or something that raises your dopamine levels up. That will then lower your prolactin, and suddenly now your testosterone levels come back up and you're interested in her again. But you don't have to go through any of that. If it's a new woman every time, uh, there's no prolactin gets produced. So you just you have a very short refractory period, and you can come up again and again. And there's something beyond just uh, a shorter period of refractory or when you get married. What happens is there's also a um, Pavlovian response, which is if every time you have sex with your wife, prolactin goes up. Then over time, just the thought of having sex with your wife, <laughs> prolactin levels go up. Oh, my God. So that's what you'll find is couples who have been married for 10, 20 years, they don't have a lot of sex. I mean, this yeah. is quite common, and you just don't even get in the mood. I know for me, I make sure that I, I, I'm not in, in my family one-third of the time. I'm out working or traveling or doing something. If I just hang around the house and I'm with the kids and the grandkids and my wife all the time, I don't have any interest in sex. It's not like I'm not interested in sex. I just don't feel like I need it. Then put me on the road for a few days away from that, and now I'm in my challenge work mode. Boom, it comes up real strong. 
Sure, sure. You know, it's funny, speaking of the Italians, actually, there's a great book out called Mating in Captivity, written by a New York City psychotherapist. Uh, I forgot her name. You may know, Mating in Captivity. And she was saying that our culture, um, American culture, kind of has it wrong because in South America and in Europe and Italy, it's very common there for the men to have, you know, their marriage and to be very, uh, in a sense, committed to their family, but to always have uh, relationships on the side to kind of keep that hormonal milieu going, in a sense, where here, it seems like uh, it's less tolerated. Do you have any uh, anything to opine on the whole cultural differences between Latin America, Europe, and, and this country regarding this stuff? Oh, yeah. I got lots to say about it, and I teach <laughs> in all these places, too. But, hey, I want everybody to know, you were the one who told me about mating and captivity. And so let's let's go a little bit further and share with everybody that the, the researcher's conclusion. Wasn't well, it that she- they stopped mating? The males stopped mating when they're in captivity? Wasn't that it? Well, it's more about her years of, as a therapist with couples and stuff. And what she began to understand is that here, couples are less tolerant. They're less forgiving when um, the idea of, um, of infidelity comes up. Whereas in Europe and South America, it was more like it was known, but it was respectably not discussed and not right, acknowledged. Right, right. Respectably you know? not discussed, very important. And, divorce, and that's why divorce rates in South America and Europe are much lower than in this country because it's like, it's okay. As long as the woman's, in a sense, and again, I'm paraphrasing, forgive me. Well, let, let, me woman, let me shorten that for you. It's just in those cultures, having an, an affair is not seen as, as great a sin as it's seen here. Because they're, they're, they, they don't have a lot of the moral idealis- idealism of the Victorian age affected us big time. Yes. And there's another point. reason for it that I express, but there's, there's, um, but I'll, I'll do that in a moment. But when you talked about mating in captivity, I remember you told me, wasn't she basing this on animals who were in uh, captivity and how that affected their sexual uh, activities? I mean, she alluded to some animal models, but most of it was, she, again, she was a, you know, a researcher, but she's a psychotherapist. And most of it yeah. was from her understanding of, um, of the couple she had counseled over like 20 or 30 years, actually. It's a pretty well-known book. I had the DVD. I'll, I'll email you the, uh, the uh, name. I, of the I like to review that. I, I kind of remember it being about monkeys as well, but whatever. The, the truth is what you're just saying is that when I go to other cultures, there's a gr- uh, much more of an acceptance, particularly for the male having affairs. And what's interesting, I'll just add a little bit more interesting notes on this. Um, If you were in Brazil, for example, and your husband had an affair with another woman, and then he left you for that other woman, your wife would then go after and kill the other woman, but wouldn't do anything to her husband, would want him back. They feel that it's the woman who takes the man away, and that men are sort of helpless to the fantastic beauty and power of femininity. Yeah. <laughs> I guess, and it's really quite true. I love that. I'm moving to Brazil. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, so we come back to, to the point being, you know, when we make this point, it's kind of like uh, we, someone can conclude that, at least for me, that I'm judgmental of uh, our culture, which is pro-monogamy. And I am completely pro-monogamy. It's a, I take it to a higher level. The, the, our brain is divided in three sections, more the instinctive part of the brain, which is often in the back, which is alluded to as the reptilian brain. The middle part of the brain is uh, the biggest part of the brain. It has to do with our social skills, love, romance, attachment, that kind of stuff. And that's often called the monkey brain because it's no different from a monkey's. Then we have the front part of the brain, the human. 
And you can see when people do certain behaviors, uh, certain parts of the brain light up. And for us to be our highest self, what we want is for the whole brain to function and always functioning following the direction of the highest self. So you could say to me, John, are you a violent person? I'd say, no, I'm not violent at all. I could be violent if someone was attacking my children or my wife or something. I could see myself killing somebody. Uh, I've never been in that situation, but I could certainly see myself wanting to do it, having seen movies of it and so forth. I can relate to that. But I'm a nonviolent person. And that's because if somebody was to attack me or whatever, the first, my first reaction is to try to figure this thing out. How can I resolve it peacefully? That would be using the front part of the brain. So if I, if I only had the back part of my brain that doesn't think but only reacts, then I'm a violent person. Everybody is. Every man is. Uh, that we have violence in all of us. But we're also civilized, and what civilization does is teaches us not how to just be violent to get what we want, but meet other people's needs and get away, and that's called civilization, and that's using the front part of your brain. So the idea of monogamy is we are designed as men to plant as many seeds as possible. We're designed to uh, be with a woman and after a while lose interest in her and then find another woman and then plant some seeds there and lose interest in her. And you can see these are the hormone reactions. And you can see you know, lots of books, like we could spend the rest of the hour just talking about all the pathways which cause a man to be attracted right away to newness and then to lose interest and go to the next new person. And we've got so much sperm we could keep populating over and over and over so you know <laughs> that's we're designed to do it women are not because they only got so many eggs and you know you have a baby that's it but men she could be having the baby and go plant 15 others so there, there's a whole like biology here that we have to respect but at the same time we're not just the biology of the animal self we've got this other part of us which you could say is our human self our higher self which can guide that so the value of being monogamous and you know I spent many years intuitively feeling why is it so important we're moving in this direction the women I meet in America which is one of the most conscious places in the world with all the diversity and inclusion and, and growth here so much of the newness comes from this country and part of it is this concept of monogamy is really more important here than anywhere else now at the same time, when couples have affairs, I'm always helping them to forgive each other and let's learn the value of monogamy and why it's something we want to strive towards. And It's because, think of it like this. If I had a million dollars and I wanted to make a difference, I'm talking to the men, you know how good it feels when you make a difference in the world. Look what I did. And I have a million dollars to do something great. I have, then I only have two choices, and this is what they are. One is I can give a dollar to a million people or I can give a million dollars to one person. Which person, which option did I make the most from? The one giving a million dollars to one person. I totally transformed their life and made a huge difference. So being in a monogamous relationship allows you to make the biggest difference possible in somebody's life. And when you can make a difference like that, that's what makes you the alpha male. And I love this whole stuff about alpha male because there's studies done on monkeys it showed that if you have every monkey tribe as the alpha male, and he gets all the sex. All the babies are born from him. Nobody else gets to have sex. They're all just helper monkeys. But he's the main one. I mean, they get a little sex, but he's the main one. <laughs> and he has twice the testosterone levels of other monkeys. Then if he dies or somebody kills him, or just say he dies, another monkey will get to be the alpha monkey. The alpha monkey, as soon as he gets into the role as head of the tribe, his testosterone levels double. And I think that's really, really significant because, you, you know, we walk around going, okay, alpha males are born or whatever. To a certain extent, they're born, but to a much greater extent, it's your role in society that makes you alpha male. 
So you look at a Bill Gates, he definitely doesn't have the physique. He's not born alpha male, but he's an alpha male because of his huge influence and power and so forth. And its position in life, your role in life, also makes you alpha male. And not only that, when society puts you in a role where you're in charge of your life, you're an entrepreneur, you're doing it yourself, that makes you an alpha male. So automatically your testosterone levels double because you're in that role. But not every man can be the president of the corporation and achieve all this stuff. We're all not designed for that. It's not going to happen for everybody. You know, and so how does everybody get to be an alpha male? Well, there is a way. If a guy is giving a woman a climax, he becomes an alpha male as a result of that. If you're giving a woman a climax three times a week, you become, your testosterone become the alpha male testosterone. And this is what keeps men vital and virile. And there's research showing that men will live 10 years longer if they're having sex three times a week. And, you know, I'm just adding to it my anecdotal experience and understanding, and particularly if they're giving her climax. There's a big difference in how I feel after sex if I know I satisfied her as opposed to I just had a climax. So it's the guys who know how to satisfy the woman. Suddenly you are now alpha male, and you don't give a damn who Bill Gates is because you just got laid, and that woman thinks you're the greatest. <laughs> That's great. I mean, John, you know, in a sense, we're all descendants from alpha males because a long time ago, uh, right. our ancestors, great-grandparents were alpha at some point. That's you know? right. So 95% you could say, of the genes come from one guy. Yeah, 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 exactly. Genghis Khan fathered Genghis 800, Khan. 800 kids, actually, documented. So, you know, we're all, in a sense, uh, descendants from uh, Genghis Khan in Europe or Africa or wherever we are from, actually. But, you know, John, it's a great point. Neuroplasticity ensures that even something as simple as winning a video game or a soccer game can rewire your brain on the fly and start making your neurons more sensitive to dopamine and testosterone. So neuroplasticity, you know, epigenetics, these are great new concepts that make us all realize that, you know, our beliefs can really shape our brain chemistry. Is that our correct, John? Oh, absolutely. And beliefs are one aspect of it, but when your life reflects that belief, you can think you're hot stuff, but when you've got a woman thinking you're really hot stuff, then suddenly that belief becomes much, much stronger. And that has a huge impact. And what we're seeing is that people, again, uh, people who are happily married have been proven to live longer, have less heart disease, less cancer than in any other category. Happily married. Not married, but happily married. And I think that's probably similar to the other research on sex quite regularly <laughs> is, yeah. is if you're happily married, you're probably having sex a few times a week. And, and particularly as, as guys, we're getting up to 50, uh, 40 even for some guys, their testosterone levels are dropping. And I know for weightlifters as well, you know, some of my coaching clients are really big weightlifters and one of them just couldn't keep it up with his girlfriend. And it'd be that whole thing about the oxytocin of him caring about her was just suppressing his testosterone. But he thought that might be the case. And I said, well, hold on, go get your testosterone tested. Let's just see. And what he found out was he, when he tested his testosterone, it was zero. Now, how could somebody who has a huge physique, alpha male, 6'5", alpha male physique, unbelievable, uh, have zero testosterone? It was, he was using up all his testosterone to build his muscles. And that's why quite often bodybuilders are looking for libido pills and so forth because they, they use it all up while they're building their muscles. So that, that became another insight for me to realize that that's why men need to use up their testosterone, but then make sure they're getting enough rest and relaxation to rebuild the testosterone. But what can happen is with weightlifters uh, are people who are under a lot of stress. Now, I'm 
the reason I say both, when you're when you're weightlifting, you are stressing your body, no pain, no gain. Sure. So, or you're just living your life and you're under a lot of stress if you're a man or you're in danger. Let's say you're a soldier and you're in danger. Well, what happens physiologically, and I know some guys listening know this, but I'll, it bears repeating, is that when you're under stress, uh, you're challenging yourself a lot, what happens your testosterone levels can spike from 30 times more than your average woman to, to 200 times more than your average woman. So that's a huge spike, you know, for a man, it's five times more. Suddenly your testosterone levels spike really, really high. Now, after they spike, if they're too high, if they go too high, your body can, will produce aromatase and convert the testosterone into estrogen. And now your guy, you know, you've got this estrogen, and that's going to interfere with your bodybuilding and so forth. So you've got to make sure you don't over-train or be in over-stress situations. Now, for your regular guy, when I explain this to them, this is what's happening to guys, is they're under stress. They're not managing stress effectively. Their testosterone levels are converting into estrogen. Estrogen then stores fat and typically stores fat in the belly. And as soon as they start getting that belly fat, that belly fat's producing aromatase, continuing to convert their testosterone into estrogen, estrogen which stores uh, belly fat, belly fat which makes more aromatase, converting your testosterone to estrogen. So it's like this downward cycle, and you see guys working out in the gym in their 50s, and they got this belly fat, and it doesn't go. For some guys, it just won't go away. And I just want to let people know, I know you've got some great supplements for this to kick the extra estrogen out of the body. Those are pretty well known. There's another one I want people to know about. You can get online. You can get it at my site, but you can also find it other places. Maybe you're already selling it. I don't know. It's called Myomen. Uh, my omen's amazing. No, for, I never heard of it, actually. G- no, give me it's a book. fantastic. Uh, it's Dr. Cheese, my omen. Check it out at marsvenus.com. It's, uh, it's shown to uh, inhibit the aromatase enzyme very powerfully. I mean, just, I'm even doing an experiment with it now. I just found out about my omen about four months ago. And uh, I'm just eating lots of ice cream just to see if I can put on any belly fat, and nothing will happen. <laughs> I'm amazed. <laughs> That's why. You know, I'm 60, so there's certain things I can't eat without putting on some fat. And, and I, I would have to stay away from ice cream. I don't have to stay away from it now. I'm just testing how much can I eat of this, you know? And it, it's just I'm not putting on any belly fat. You can't put on belly fat if you're not, if you're not making the, the aromatase enzyme converting your testosterone to estrogen. Wow. Yeah, it's definitely something to look into. That's something good um, to look into. I also want to mention, I want to thank you for telling me about the Incredisocks. Uh, oh, a, yes, a, that's right. A, well, John, you got me into earthing, so I paid you back with a favor and give the, the earthing clothing. What do you think about that stuff, just out of curiosity? I, I love this stuff. I'm wearing them now. I got a friend who uh, hurt her knees and couldn't even walk around her house. That's what you told me about helping her knee, and uh, she put them on overnight, and now her knees, the pain's going away. I mean, it's really powerful, these socks that, uh, for those who haven't heard about Incredit socks or uh, if you, you put them on, they ionize your feet, so you constantly inflammation goes away. So right. I have this chronic uh, ankle pain that comes and goes, and occasionally, you know, it comes back, and, and credit socks takes it away. And one day I wasn't wearing my credit socks and twisted my ankle. I was in pain and put on my credit socks. The next day the pain's gone, and I'm walking around like fine. Normally that will last a long time. It's pretty wild stuff. It really is. It, it you know, one really thing I want to mention, I see your daughter's on your website now, too. What's her role in the whole Mars-Venus uh, empire? Well, well, Lauren is like a, a dating coach, you know. So oh, she is? Uh, okay. 
Yeah, she's giving people advice. You know, sometimes people are in their 50s will ask her questions, and she comes to me and says, Dad, I don't know the answers. <laughs> Give me some young people. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, you know, if you, if you, when people look at her videos and her columns and whatever, it's, it's, it's uh, relationship advice. Uh, you know, she's very well trained in everything I know, but then she's got her own opinion, and we have little arguments about it, whatever. It's quite cute. But, you know, I, I like everything she says. I mean, she says it so beautifully, too. So, you know, it's a nice to have a female way of saying a lot of the stuff I say. Sure, sure. Are you doing any more tours? I know you, I met you up in Hartford last year. You were touring. Uh, are you going to be around the area so there are people can get in touch with you and they want to follow you and see you on PBS or anything? Well, I don't have any PBS specials scheduled right now. Uh, okay. For fun, I'll let everybody know. Uh, next year, they're, in January, they're going into filming with Reese Witherspoon on, on the movie called Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus, which is based upon my classic book. Oh, that's great. That's really great. And in the fall of this year, there's going to be a, a tour, kind of like Blue Man Group, but it's uh, the same people that sponsor Blue Man Group are sponsoring a one-man show, uh, Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus. Actually, people, wow. most people don't know, but I did uh, my show on, on Broadway, uh, sell-out shows every night, uh, most successful show of the year back in the 90s. I just didn't want to be on Broadway every night. Uh, <laughs> but it's uh, the same show I did is doing it in nine countries right now. And we've got a guy training right now to do it, and he's going to go on the road in the fall. So that's really fun. It's a great show, you know, and in one and a half hours, you get to laugh your way through learning about the opposite sex, which is really fun. That's great. No, it sounds interesting. So if people want to tune in and find out more about you, I guess the hub to go is the MarsVenus.com website. Is that correct? Yeah, they can go there and they can get that. And they can find out about, you know, testosterone boosters, why we need as men. I know you talk about it all the time, why we need to supplement with, with, heart, with, with herbs, uh, in yeah. order to boost our testosterone. I'm a, I'm a big fan of natural herbs, and you've got a great product as well, as I've tried as well, with the, for the increasing testosterone. Uh, Thanks. But, and I, I just want everybody to know, do the herbs if your testosterone levels are low as opposed to taking testosterone. Taking testosterone has long-term negative effects. It's oh, yeah, we're big on, John, we're big on getting everybody here healthy and trying natural ways first without a doubt, you know. But, uh, you know, I think your latest book, too, I really recommend everybody. Is it Mars on Fire, Venus on Ice? Is that correct? It, it's Venus on Fire, Mars on Ice. Mars on Ice, there you go. Mars on Ice, meaning our testosterone goes down and the women's hormones go out of balance and they're, like, overwhelmed and stressed and they want to kill you. Yeah, I love the book because of the fact that it really gets into brain chemistry, which rules so much of our lives. And I think everyone—it's like an owner's manual for your brain. I really think everyone out there should should get the book and read it because you really help not only your personal relationships in your life, but also just your life in general with your with yourself. Because if you're more calm, more balanced, you're going to be a better person in every single way. So I really recommend people pick up your book, John, because I loved it personally myself, and uh, I can't recommend uh, it know. enough. I haven't done this officially, but if anybody's listening to this show from your show and they call my office to order any of my products, if, you, if they just say they heard this show, we'll be happy to send out a free book as well called Men. It's called uh, uh, The Mars-Venus Diet and Exercise Solution. That particular oh, book I think your audience would love. And it goes actually into greater detail on dopamine, serotonin, uh, endorphins, oxytocin, testosterone. That's what that book's all about. And oh, that's I great think special. That I appreciate that very happy for them to, they just have to say they heard the show and they want to make an order and we'll just put that book in for free awesome awesome once again I want to thank you John Gray for uh, for really giving us invaluable insight I mean please promise you'll come back again at some point later on in the year love to follow up on what you're doing later on in the year for sure maybe in the fall or something we get you on again listen it's always fun to talk with you and thanks for the great work you're doing 
Okay, great. Thanks again. And I want to thank you, the listeners, for tuning in. Once again, this has been Quantum Physiques here on RxMuscle.com. I'm your host, Brian Cunningham. Stay tuned next week for another fabulous show. Quantum Physiques with Brian Cunningham is dedicated to harnessing the power of the holy grail of health, fitness, lifestyle, and success. And you'll hear Quantum Physiques every Wednesday evening only on RxMuscle.com.